From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman and joining me today is Fox Sports Nick Wright, who along with Chris Carter and Jenna Wolf host FS1's First Things First, Monday through Fridays from 6.30 to 9.30 a.m. Long-haired hippie boy Nick Wright, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. <laughs> oh, the hair. Oh, this is going to go down as one of my all-time worst decisions. And why, as a 34-year-old man, I shouldn't succumb to peer pressure, even if the pressure is being exerted by maybe the two, two of the most important people in my life, my television partner, Chris Carter, my wife, Danielle, to grow out my hair for the first time since I was 12 years old. So I, It's going about as disastrously as I could have imagined. So I'm, I'm not judging. I have a, uh, if it'll grow, let it flow sensibility when it comes to hair, because mine doesn't anymore. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but is the, the backstory just that your wife, wife encouraged you and that's it? Yeah, the, yeah, I mean, I think, so I have had what is called a skin fade for as long as I can remember. I can't find, find <coughs> excuse me, I can't find pictures of me post 10 years old with hair longer than a quarter of an inch. <laughs> and my wife always wondered what my hair would look like, begged me to grow it, just kept kept pressing me to grow it. She did it once in front of Chris. Chris then got on board, and I finally just said, screw it, I'll try it. But the problem is when you're on TV for three hours every day, like the awkward phase of hair growth, the entire world gets to see. However, while I don't like this part of it, and I'm sure this is what you wanted to spend the start of the podcast discussing is my hair, um, what I have learned is while I really liked my old haircut, it must not have been as universally thought of as a good style as I had thought, because a lot of people think I am now I got hair plugs or some type of procedure done, which means they think the only reason I would have chosen the previous style was because I was forced to, not because it was what I thought actually looked good. So such is life when you're a, you know, less than average attractive person on television every day. <laughs> so that's great. So, uh, so where are we in the process? How long have you been letting it grow and how much longer do you plan to let it grow? Um, I haven't cut the top of my hair, gosh, probably for four months. And I have, I, where are we in the process? I have no idea about every day. I think about walking <laughs> around the corner of my barbershop and saying, cut this off. And, but at this point I'm so far in, I feel like it, I would say I'm about a month away from th- they are them actually being able to do something with it. And so I might as well wait and see what it looks like once you actually can style it as awkward as that sounds when I say it out loud before I abandon shit. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move from that to hopping on my soapbox Thank for a little. Thank goodness. So uh, I've been an early riser for a few years now, and uh, there was a story out this week about uh, the rise and grind culture and how maybe that's not a great thing. And I might break that down a little differently than some people. Uh, for me, people who are are just obviously rising and grinding, but not making any big production out of it, not beating their chest and saying, "Look at me! You can be a grinder like I am. I am here to inspire you to grind." <laughs> Those people are not for me. Uh, but to me, for me, the real inspirations are people like you, Nick Wright, who uh, forego all the trying to inspire other people and just go about their business regularly and productively. I've told you before online, I have a great deal of respect for how you uh, tune out a lot of the nonsense, uh, like TV ratings for studio shows, to be honest. And you just go about your work. Not everyone in your business is uh, capable of doing that. How do you do it? 
Well, I I have to give credit first, not to sound like a company guy, but this is since you since you mentioned it, I've got to give credit to the people that run the studio side at FS1 out in Los Angeles, where they they've never sent me a rating. They've never sent me. I've not. I, I am. I do not feel personally accountable every day to what is the number. Now that is, you know, they probably would start sending me the ratings if and when the ratings ever get really good. And so I don't know that it's a good thing that they never send me the ratings. But we know we were starting from zero, and we know it's about. At least we have decided it's about: Are we showing growth? Are we headed in the right direction? And so for me, I don't. I. I have, I've been incredibly blessed in that I, when I was 12 years old, I, I declared to the world, to anyone that would listen, what I was going to do for a living. And I have been doing it. And I, I also, I, I thought I was on a really good path three years ago. And three years ago or three and a half years ago, I was doing morning radio in Houston, right. the fourth biggest radio market in the country a weekend national show and an occasional TV spot. And I would have, I was thrilled. Right. I was making more money than I thought I'd make in the business. And so, and so the fact that now I didn't think it would end there, but I certainly wouldn't have thought that two years later, I would be one of the forward faces of a national television show. And a year after that, I would also have a national radio show that I do in the evenings following up Mad Dog Show. Right. And so you're getting a little New York City nap sound. I apologize for that. Um, and so I listen, like I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like I, I did not play a sport professionally. I do not have a family member in the business. I am, as we discussed at length, the beginning of the podcast, I don't have the traditional television look <laughs> just like I don't have the traditional radio voice. My career at this point has been what it's always been about, which is I have had my, my almost unfair share of very lucky bounces good and good fortune, and I am an incredibly hard worker. And, and a lot of people say they work hard, and this sounds self-congratulatory. I don't mean it to. I, I really do. And I've got a wife. I've got three kids I love. I have I have a, a lifestyle that myself and my family has become accustomed to, right. and while my wife works and is in, is a success in her own right, of course, it's my job to fund it, and it's my job to keep everything going. And so the the idea that my hard work is the time I have to get up and the amount of hours I talk, like the the, the guy that works hard, if we're being honest is the dude that drives me to work in the morning. Right. He's getting up earlier than me. Yep. He is, he is, I, I, I'm certain in, there's no, not, no disrespect to that line of work at all, but it doesn't have the fame or the monetary rewards mine does. And it probably was not what he as a little kid desperately wanted to do. Right. So I, the, the idea of like, woe is me or look at me, how hard I'm working when my job is to watch sports and then give my opinion on them, it just sounds insane to me. Like I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. And so, yeah, maybe one day I'll get to be one of those people that works, you know, three hours a day total and makes five X what I'm making now. But those people that have those jobs, they didn't start in those jobs. They grinded to get those jobs. And so I, I'm not, I, yeah, I mean, I know I don't even know if that answers your question, but I just 
I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. And the, the only way I stay in this position is to continue doing what I've always done, which is bust my ass and try to get a little bit better every day. I think uh, it's just my personal opinion, but I think you have a very good sensibility around, uh, around gratitude. So you do have a, uh, a very, you, you wake up early in the morning. Uh, your show starts at 6.30 a.m. Uh, just like take me through, like last night, what did you do? When the, the draft lottery came on, did you watch it? Did you watch any of the game? What time did you go to bed? What yeah. time did you get up? How did that work? So, yeah, so I think it's incredibly important if you're going to do what I do um, to watch the games. I don't think you can fake it. I think you'll be smoked out, and I don't think you can trust other people's recaps and other people's knowledge of it. Um, and so, yeah, so for I was actually I'll just I was actually on the air on radio. My radio show is typically 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Right. Uh, last night was an odd night, so it was 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. So I was I did the draft. I was on the air till 9 p.m., um, so I was able to kind of broadcast the draft lottery live as it happened. That ended, um, and the and so I tucked my kids in to go to bed. Uh, my older daughter was still awake. My youngest was just going to bed, and I'm watching the game. And the so I'm watching the game. My wife didn't cook last night, uh, and so I ordered some food. I sat there. I I kind of you know I. So I watch the game till halftime in my office. At halftime, I go to my bedroom, watch the rest in bed. So as soon as it ends, I can hopefully fall asleep quickly. Um, fall asleep probably around midnight. First alarm goes off at 3.30. The alarm that I actually get up on, much to my wife's chagrin, is about 3.45. Um, I'm out the door by 4.00. I'm in the office by 4.15. Wow. You mentioned the show 6.30 to 9.30. You know, so the production meeting, I mentioned I get in at 4.15. We have a nuts and bolts production meeting. The, our, one of our lead producers gets in at 2 and sets the board. The rest of the production staff gets in at 3. Jenna Wolf gets in around 3.30 because wow. she has actual scripts to write. I'm there at 4.15 to kind of give the board one final look over. And I'm – I. I would have like a co-producer credit if we did credits and as much as the producers are doing the real setting of the board and that work. But I have, I would say a stronger hand than I would say a lot. I don't know about most, but a lot of the on-air staff, as far as across networks, like what we should or shouldn't be talking about, like what I want, the way the topics are always the right topics. But, hey, I think we should ask this question instead of this question. Right. But our producers, I'd say nine times out of ten, Sam Pepper, Matt Katanik, and the crew, they have it they have it exactly right. Occasionally I'll tweak it a bit. And so five to six is me basically taking my notes and my color-coded notes on these manila folders that I've been doing for my entire career. And six to six, 28 is, you know, I, now hair and makeup, it used to just be makeup, <laughs> mind you, um, along with getting dressed. And then the show's over at 9.30. I'm home by 11 a.m. I, what some people for some reason find interesting, but it's, I, so I will have, by the, when I get home, I will have not, have, I will not have eaten a thing. I will only, I will have drank two cups of coffee and that's it. So at 11 a.m., I eat a giant lunch usually something from Chipotle a couple times a week or something so that my wife had cooked the night before. And then I pass out and I'm asleep from noon to three. Wow. I wake up at three. Uh, most days 
go with my wife to pick up my daughters from school. I try to be the best dad I can be from 3.30 until 6. Well, 3.30 till 5.45, I'd say. Um, and then from 6 to 8, I'm doing the radio show. Now, I do the radio show from my house most days, so that's helpful. And then, you know, it's NBA playoffs. The radio show ends and there's a game on. And so it's the – I'm basically, once the week starts, I'm on what I consider kind of five or 10, 12-hour cycles. Right. that start around 3, 3.30 a.m. or p.m. and end around 12, be it that midnight or noon. And that's just, that's my life starting from 3.30 in the morning, Monday, until 8 p.m. Friday. And then almost every Friday night, my wife and I go out on a date nice. and spend some of that money that I've been making. And then I try to Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, uh, hang out with my kids, and if it's not football season, and if I'm being honest, if it is football season, Saturday hang out with my kids. It's one of the reasons I'm not the greatest college football commentator in the world is, like I said, I really believe in watching the games, and I'm not watching as much college football as some people right. because I, I've decided, like, I can't for four months a year be non-existent to my family, right. and I'm going to watch all day long on Sunday. All right, so you, it sounds like you you try to get seven hours of sleep. You just don't get it in a straight shot, and uh, that you you you've been working on the schedule uh, for for going on two years, right? With the uh, with first. Well, the radio before. show has only been the radio show's only been uh, for ten months. the The TV show started labor day after Labor Day of seventeen. The radio show started day after Labor Day of eighteen. But if I'm being honest, the sleep schedule was pretty much the same with or without the radio show. It was just without the radio show, I had more time, you know, with the kids and my wife, do stuff in the evening, maybe go to a play if there's not a game on, stuff like that. So, but it, it sounds like it works for you, the, uh, the, the, the splits sleep schedule. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it might, I think it might drive me crazy. Like, I think I might go insane one day, but like, yeah, it's the only way to do it. I mean, here's the thing. I can't survive. I couldn't survive on four hours of sleep me either, total. Me either. And I couldn't succeed at work. If I don't watch the games, so I don't know what other choice I have. Yeah, that's a, like the uh, I guess the other choice I would have is to not like to when I come home from work, get home at eleven and sleep straight through till like five p.m. Right. But then I don't see my kids at right, all. Right. And so like I, the 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 big difference between doing an early morning sports show to me and the people that do early morning news is. News, some news breaks at night, but typically news happens during the work day. Right. So if you're like a, if you're doing, you know, one of the morning cable news shows, you and you're in at three when I'm in, you, you possibly can go to bed at 8 p.m. Right, right. And just do it that way. But everything in sports happens right. at night. And so, and LeBron going to the Lakers was, I mean, in addition to maybe being bad for him, it was really bad for me, man. Those games started 10. 30 oh, Eastern. Yeah. And so those are the days that those are the, the, and we're talking about LeBron every single day. And so like the, I, and I am very closely associated or tied to, you know, my brand, if such thing exists is a lot of it is built on being, a, you know, a very loud proponent of LeBron. I have to watch those games right. and I enjoy watching and play. But so those days, I mean, that's a 1 a.m. finish. Yeah. And though it was during the playoffs in the Western Conference, that's 1 a.m. finishes. So those are tough, but 
again, like that's just, you just deal with it. It's just the cost of doing business. So you have a, you have a talk show. So I know all sports news is, is good news, but there is something that I see on Twitter uh, and it does amuse me. And that is the, uh, the NBA versus NFL wars when it comes to popularity. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, it even seems like to some degree, the, the media beat on both sides wages that war as well. And, uh, and there seems to be some real animus on both sides, which is, is fun for me to watch, but, uh, they, both sides also seem kind of into it in a good natured ribbing sort of way. Uh, so there is an opportunity for me anyway, to entertain myself fanning those, uh, fanning yeah. those flames. I mostly try to resist that urge, uh, but should I just give into it instead? I, well, I think that, yeah, I would give into it. I think that's fun. I also think that there is both parties at times give into the worst of their impulses. <laughs> yes. And by that, I mean, yes. on the NBA side, the worst of the impulses is delusion, yes. which is the idea that the NBA has or is on the verge of overtaking the NFL. Yes. No, it is not. And on the NFL side, the worst of their impulses is some odd arrogance and superiority yes. from the members of the media. Like, oh, 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 our draft is just better than your conference finals. Like, hey, man, Sports <laughs> Illustrated just assigned you to this sport zip it like and so like the, the, and so like I, the, the yeah so I, at times there is a weird element of like why and you th this is i think it's you on twitter who makes a i think a very fair point which is you know it might be brian curtis actually oh yes the ratings um, do not matter that, to that, your life that's brian curtis the ratings do not matter to your life and it's like, and now they matter to my life, I sure, guess, sure. but to the average fan, he, they he, don't. He, yeah. so, but, so to be clear, Brian is talking about, you know, Joe the plumber from Secaucus. He's not talking about, you know, of course. Deitch no, 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 of course, and he's right. But it's, but it's so, it's like, it, it is a weird thing that happens, which is the Cowboys-Packers playoff game, the year the Cowboys were 13-3, and three, um, and if you remember that playoff game went down to the wire, yeah. there was like back to back to back critical field goals. And a lot of people watching the game is like, like, you know, Fox ratings and then like mouthwatering emoji. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you, 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 you own a small shoe store in Nebraska. Like, why do you care? I mean, so it's a weird thing that's happened there. And, but the, the NBA, the, the I'm on Twitter. I, I have accounts on Instagram and Facebook, but I, I think people have picked up on this. I hope they have. I'm not those those accounts are basically just mirroring what I post on Twitter. I'm I am no one controls my Twitter but me. No one has a password but me. That is me. I might one day regret putting that out there <laughs> if I ever send a wild tweet. Uh, and I want to be like, oh my god, count was hacked. My social media team. No, Twitter. Twitter's me. Um, I'm not on Facebook and Instagram as actively, so I can't speak to if what I'm saying about Twitter is true there. But this, the NBA versus NFL thing is a good reminder that Twitter is not the world. Because the NBA is as popular as the NFL on Twitter <laughs> because of who is on Twitter. Journalists. Because the NBA skews younger. It skews more diverse. It skews all these exact same ways Twitter skews. Right. So on, you know, you're like, yes, man, NBA Twitter. But we also, we opt into who we follow on Twitter. Right. So like if you follow Worldwide Wob, 
guess what? And I love Rob Brett. <laughs> He's too. a genius. But guess what? Once you are in the world where you follow worldwide Wob, you are in the 1% of diehard NBA. <laughs> so, of course, you think the NBA is more popular. Right. You know what I mean? And so the NBA is my – there's two there's two sports, two leagues that have inspired my passion for sports, the NBA and the NFL. I'm very lucky that those are the sports I loved as a little boy because if I was a baseball and hockey guy, it, it probably wouldn't be as good for me professionally, That's right? True. And so um, – but they're just different. And I don't – for me, because I love them both, I don't really feel the need to engage in the – Tet a tet, but it is funny that the NBA fans that really want to believe we're nipping on the NFL's heels, and the NFL fans, reporters that really want to believe the NBA is just an indoor MLS and will never matter. Neither is accurate. Right, right, right. So uh, I I have the uh, me personally, I have the Warriors Trailblazers series already over now, and it sounds like before uh, Game One has even been played of. that uh, you have uh, Bucks winning in kind of a cakewalk. And I was looking forward to both of these series, but now that they're here, somehow they're not quite as interesting to me uh, as the last round was, and that seems weird to me. Is it? Well, so listen, the, the Blazers can put up a fight, but they were not equipped in game one. I, and this is where watching the games is critical. If you watched the game last night, not you, but just the generic person, you know what you saw? Wait, the Blazers are sagging off a Steph Curry pick and roll and just giving him open threes? That doesn't show up in the box score. It showed up instantly if you were watching. So they have to adjust their game plan. Dame and CJ have to play better. They're still probably a 6-1 to dog to uh, win the series. But, man, the Knicks were a 6-1 to dog to win the lottery, and everyone seemed to think they were going to. Um Bucks Raptors, my opinion is far out of the mainstream. My opinion is far different than what Vegas says. Right. My opinion is far different than what a lot of my colleagues say. I, but this is again, I'm going to go back to watching the games. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that the vast majority of people who are paid to talk about sports for a living actually weren't watching the Milwaukee Bucks this year as much oh, as I was. I have. I agree with you 100%. I have, I have a sneaking suspicion that even once the playoffs started, one of the series that a lot of my friends and, and colleagues in the sports media decided, ah, I don't need to watch it, is Bucks Pistons. Right, right. And you know, Blake Griffin are the one seed. And so for a lot of people, their first exposure to the big bad Milwaukee Bucks all year was game one against Boston when they got their ass kicked. And that led to a lot of bad takes. Yep. It led to, see, they're not ready. They're a regular season giant, but they're, they're the 60-win Hawks. No, they're not. They got the best player currently playing basketball. They are a dominant force on both ends. And to me, the only shot Toronto had was a healthy bench, which means or a healthy team, which means OG Anunobi. I can never say his last name. OG Anunobi. Uh, he dealt with it. He had an emergency appendectomy. Him being out has been killer for them. Lowry and Siakam play better, and Kawhi's got to keep up this level. I think Toronto's an excellent team. Milwaukee just checks every box of a great champion team. And so I listen, I think Milwaukee's gonna win the title. But I think I think Bucks I think Bucks Warriors is what we're gonna get. And I think it will be the best NBA finals we have had since twenty sixteen. And if you take twenty sixteen out of it, it'll be it's right there with 
the, the 2013 NBA Finals, the 2016, I think those classic seven-game series, I think that's what we're in store for with Bucks Warriors. Right. So I consider myself a, a part of the problem here. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm being hard on myself here. Uh, I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone else. I mean, I, I think I'm representative of, you know, more than one person, but I'm already ready for Bucks Warriors and I'm just kind of ready to get to that. And I can see that, you know, people like me being a pain in the ass for people like you who have to actually work these series and let them play out and, and talk about them. But meanwhile, people just want the next, the next thing up to, to, to get here. Uh, how do you how do you kind of deal with that sentiment being out there? I, I'm sure I'm not if I'm the only one that feels that way, you can tell me. But otherwise, how, no, how do you deal it, with that? Well, I think that that was m- much more so the case last year with Cleveland uh, Warriors, couple, Cleveland Golden State. Yeah. Now, last year, there might actually have been some intrigue that Cleveland could lose. But if we go the year, but the first year Golden State had KD when Cleveland still had Kyrie. It just felt like, listen, the entire playoffs were, and if you remember that year, Golden State swept all first three rounds. Cleveland, I think, lost one game, maybe two games in the first three rounds, and it was like, what are we even doing here? Um, This year, the second round was so damn good that I think people were excited. Portland, no showing last night is disappointing, or no showing game one. I'm not sure when this goes up, but no showing in game one. I think people will get into Raptors bucks if I'm wrong and the Raptors can steal one of these first two games. And the thing that we do have in Raptors bucks that it's been a, we rarely get two teams that were this even in the regular season that seemingly are this evenly matched with two superstars that are seemingly dead. Even now I'm so high on Giannis. I don't think the two superstars are dead even, but that you could argue at various points these in these playoffs, Kawhi and Giannis individually have both looked like the best player alive. And so I think Raptors Bucks should be exciting good basketball. I just think the Bucks are a juggernaut, but I almost hope I'm wrong because I I think it could be like six or seven games of it would be fun, especially if Portland doesn't get their bleep together. Yeah, just from uh both from your perspective as a as a radio host a tv host and a uh and a new yorker uh what is the best outcome for zion if you could pick anything that's on the board that's possible what would you pick yeah i i think him staying in new orleans him trading anthony davis for a young core is so much better than him ending up in new york and which is obviously what a lot of people wanted i i here's here's the thing that i know Zion's going to deal with a level of hype that no one has dealt with since LeBron, right? But the the way even since LeBron came into the league, the sports media has almost metastasized, and we are going to every single day break you down and talk about your ups and downs. That can be tough. But we, we give guys, even in today's day and age, room to breathe unless those tough moments come in the postseason. And then Ben Simmons in year two already sucks and needs to be traded, right? right? So, like, I wonder if if the media today was the media we had in the late 90s. And people don't remember Kobe Bryant airballing, airballing, airballing as a young player on a contending team against Utah, right, as they're swept out of the playoffs. And so people say, if if Zion, if the Knicks had gotten it, if if Zion had been on the Knicks, he could compete for championships right now. 
to me, that wouldn't have been what's best for him. Because, A, if you're competing for championships, your number one goal is not the development of your young player. Your number one goal is maximizing what your young player does best to help you win a championship, trying to cover up some of his weaknesses. That's part of the problem, I think, for Ben Simmons. Right. Is that Philly, like, as soon as he started playing, they're a playoff team. They got him beat. It's like, man, just do what you do, and it's his job to get better in the offseason. So for Zion, like, think about it. We, Giannis is in year six. It wasn't until they lost in the seventh game last year that people started to whisper a little bit. That's year five. Right. Isn't it time for Giannis to win a playoff series? And this year, it, it was the, the word was, okay, you better produce in the postseason. And he, and he has. It's year six. Luka Doncic and Trey Young, everyone loved them right. all year long. If they then fell on their face in the playoffs, it's a different situation. So I think it's ideal. I think that I don't think market matters in the NBA. I think every team can be a national team. The team everybody loves to watch plays in Oakland. The previous team everybody loved to watch played in Cleveland or Oklahoma City. And I think David Griffin's smart. I think they are going to get a King's ransom probably from the Lakers for Anthony Davis. They're going to end up with the fourth pick of this year's draft, two former number two overall picks and cap space. And they can slow build with the number one goal of the franchise being build a team that fits Zion's strengths rather than have Zion fit into a team that's ready-made. So I'm thrilled for him. And I'm a, I live in New York, but I'm not from here. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Right. And I can tell you this, even as someone, I rooted for the Knicks growing up because my mom was from New York. First basketball game I ever went to was the Knicks. So I say this as a kid that I have framed on my wall in my office the Allen Houston runner to beat the Miami Heat and the Larry Johnson four-point play. Those are framed in my office. I say that to say this. The league does not need the Knicks to be good because if they did, it would have folded 20 times because the Knicks have sucked for the better part of 45 years. Like their fourth best season in the last 45 years is a conference finals appearance where they lost four straight to the Chicago Bulls. That's the fourth, that's a top four season that they've had. So the league doesn't need the Knicks to be great. The the media that lives in New York City needs the Knicks to be great and has convinced the the world that that, that they're more important than they are. So so do you think it's reasonable to think of uh, Zion both as a sort of a transformative person in terms of, in terms of the NBA in general, but also, like, I mean, he is he is an incredible sort of uh, media presence. I mean, you put him on TV, he's very telegenic. It's it's all good. I mean, I, I think the uh, I think the marketing and everything around him, you know, both 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 with the NBA and whatever he does uh, in terms of uh, endorsements is, is going to be crazy, crazy off the charts. Am, am I am I wacky for thinking that? No, I think you're 100 percent right. I, listen, he seems like a really good kid. Um, I thought the way he handled Duke's loss in the tournament was exceptional. Um, he's got a great smile. Uh, he, I think people, I think people like accents and I think seeing, I think the, I think the star NBA player, the, with the Southern drawl makes you even more likable to a degree. And, and people, people respect what Steph and Clay do. But there is an element of, for I think a lot of us, that what attracts us about the NBA is the superhuman, oh my God, what did he just do? 
and the rank, the the shooting specialist doesn't evoke that level of awe for me. I respect it, right. and in today's game, it's so important. But the reason that you know, I think probably one of the reasons that since he was in high school and I was in high school that I that I decided this guy LeBron James <laughs> is going to be my favorite athlete I've ever seen is because there is an awe factor of size, speed, and power. And Zion, he will at some point, I think, probably lose weight. I hope he doesn't, just because it is seeing him jump as high as he does, yeah. does while looking like he's about eight pounds overweight, <laughs> makes it even more amazing. Right. I've never seen an athlete like it. And that's not recency bias. And it's not to say he's going to... It is, we've never seen someone 285 pounds that can jump like that. That that human being has not existed, you know, since there has been photographic evidence of human beings existing. And so I, the, I, I cannot, his, to me, his worst case scenario is he's 20 and 10. If he never improves 1%, he's going to get you 12 points a game, 12 to 14 points a game in the fast break and on offensive rebounds. He only needs four to eight points a game or six to eight points a game in the half court. Plus, he's going to be a great weak side defender. So, like, if he never improves, he's an all-star. So, I'm I, listen, I'm all in on Zion, and I, I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, I mean, here's to his health. I, I think that's that's as yep. long as that's good. This sure. is going to be a it's going to be a fun uh, a fun generation of the NBA. Okay, so I already know that uh, that you're picking you're picking Warriors Bucks and the Bucks to win the NBA championship. So I'll get you out of here with this: Who's in the Super Bowl next year and who wins? Oh, oh howdy! All right, so it's it's May fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Just to May fifteenth, right? So I reserve the right to change my opinion on this, but damn it! And you know, people can call me a homer. I don't care. But my hometown, Kansas City Chiefs, should have been in the damn Super Bowl last year. <laughs> they they picked off Tom Brady to win the game, and D. Ford lined up offside. They then drove down the field with no time left because <laughs> Pat Mahomes is a magician, and then they lose a coin toss and they lose. Um, they, they, I'm going to go with it's kind of an NBA style thing. Who has the best player? The Chiefs do. So I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I will once again be wrong as the Patriots find a way to have a fullback-oriented <laughs> offense that beats them. And in the NFC, let's just go with it. I'll stay with the same thing. Team, Green Bay Packers. Nice. Aaron Rodgers, return to glory. Chiefs, Packers, Mahomes, Rodgers. Let's do it. I'm, I'm all in for that Super Bowl. I hope it happens. Nick Wright, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining the podcast. You as well. Great work as always. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy you on Twitter. Thank you for inviting me on.